This podcast edition of Other Side of Texas is brought to you by our friends at Flint Boot and Hat, a West Texas original. You want a great hat or you want to make your boots great again, go see them at 3035 34th Street or Flint and 34th Street in Lubbock or see more at flinthat.com. It's freezing cold in Dallas when I made my getaway. I outran a cold front when I gave my truck the reins Barreling down I-35 with one thought on my mind Forget the race, find an open space Hey there, howdy! Here we are again. I'm your host, Jay West Texas Leeson. Thank you for hanging out on my side, maybe your side, the other side of texas we get into the news views and issues that matter on the other sides of texas chime into the program today we got a lot coming at you you can text in because we got plenty of guests 806-745-5800 as we broadcast this live 806-745-5800 i promise you i will get to text today the lineup for you coming up in the next minute or two we will have sarah self warbrick who is a reporter the lubbock avalanche journal the news of the region is rager auto groups and their lawsuit that's been filed by ford motor company or ford motor credit that being the talk of the town in the fallout being Rager Auto Group's filing for bankruptcy. Could Ford be just the beginning? And will employees get paid? Late breaking news on that from Sarah Self Warbrick of the Avalanche Journal. Then up, we'll interview U.S. Senator out of Texas, the senior senator from Texas, John Cornyn. And we'll talk about the $12 billion in tariff relief for producers and farmers across this country caught up in tariff wars. And then Brandon Darby's down on the border, our friend, managing editor of Breitbart, Texas, will be in with us. But first, we get into our friend, Sarah Self Warbrick, Lubbock Avalanche Journal. How do you do, Miss Warbrick? I am doing good. It has been a very, very busy day, so glad that it's 5 o'clock now. Busy day or busy 72 hours? No joke. So, yeah, I mean, this week has just been absolutely insane. This is rolling incredibly fast, Um, and today we had our first court appearance. So um, this is going way quicker than I think anybody expected. Okay, so let's set it up. Today yeah. was the first, there was an emergency hearing. We got a hearing on uh, the 8th next Wednesday. Correct. But Correct. there was an emergency filing yeah. by David Langston, counsel to Rager Auto Groups and the entities involved there. And uh, an emergency uh, hearing to do what, Sarah? So the emergency hearing was, uh, the motion for it was filed late last night. So um, we started seeing rumors yesterday that employees were not paid as expected uh yesterday afternoon um so that file that motion was initially filed late yesterday um essentially trying to free up some funds to be able to pay these employees um because of the bankruptcy that's kind of obviously tied up their finances so um this emergency hearing was to officially free those up it was approved employees will be paid okay so 
tell me how much money we're talking about to free up what pay period? The last two weeks or the last, last week? Last two weeks. No, that's correct. Okay, so we freed up a little over $450,000. They needed roughly 350 to pay for the past two weeks. So how did period. they free up, uh, you know, Ford Motor Credit says that they're owed $41 million, an outstanding overall $116 million. How did they free up? Four hundred fifty grand today. Yeah, so this money was um, in other investments. It is not tied to the Ford situation at all. Do we know what um, investments in particular? Let me. I get it. Okay. Well. No, you're. Good. I mean, it's essentially it's not related. So um, it's not this, technically money that Ford would have a claim to anyway. Like assets that the entities involved, because I follow everybody ought to follow you on Twitter by the way. Sarah Sarah from the AJ. Sarah from the AJ, yeah. yes. I can't my content is usually not as heavy as it has been this well, week, but I'm trying to stay on top of it. But now, but now you're in the ringer. Exactly. Uh, but the, you did see for the first time since all this news is broken According to your tweet, you saw mm-hmm. Rick Dykes and Bart Rager That's in correct. their courtroom. So, yes, they did attend the hearing today um, along with their families. They were there for support. Um, but, yeah, no, this is the first time that I know of that anyone has seen them since the news first broke on Wednesday. Yeah. So assets that that the entities had or assets that Bart Rager and Rick Dykes had it freed up 450000 I'm getting my documents pulled up, but... Uh, And this is all for listeners. It's all live time. Sarah's been just (laughs) covered up in this stuff. And I asked her to come on and give us... So uh, forgive us for the break here, but we've got Yeah, no. Well, I mean, while I'm looking, I'm happy to talk. So we did learn a few other things during the court hearing today. Okay. Um, I just got my story posted on LubbockOnline.com. Um, so these are some updates that maybe aren't quite out there yet. So um, we got a few details during the um, statements from the council. So um, one big thing that we learned is that there was an audit in June from Ford that showed nothing um, suspicious, um, no nothing of concern, essentially. Then they came back a few weeks later and did what David Langston called a surprise audit, and that's where the concerns came up. So what happened between that time frame, um, who knows? But um, we do know that there was, uh, this is, again, just like this case this week, I mean, this has all happened incredibly Wait, whoa, fast. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Let's give you your due here. Yeah. You're, you're saying that as of June... What was argued in court today was mm-hmm. that by the council, and we're going to get mm-hmm. into David Langston here in just a moment, but yeah. by the council for Bart Rager and Rick Dykes and these mm-hmm. entities that are named in the Ford Motor Credit uh, lawsuit, mm-hmm. as of June, everything was hunky-dory? The way Langston worded it, that it wasn't necessarily spectacular, but there was nothing concerning in it. Okay. So, I mean, again, this moved but incredibly quick. Okay, but we've not heard from Ford on how surprising it was. Um, we got a little bit from their counsel today. Um, they basically agreed that this has been, um, that this all has moved very quick in a matter of days, um, but didn't get a whole lot of insight into what 
they were thinking now, beforehand. Sir, just for context, because mm-hmm. listen, for not not you listen, I'm talking to listeners and people in West Texas and yeah. people around the state who are watching this, because we're in the middle of just this is my opinion. You don't have to agree. You don't even have to comment here, Sarah. But we're in the middle of what could become, very well become, the biggest scandal in the city of Lubbock's history. Uh, not the city proper so far as government, but in Lubbock history. And it. so for context, was Ford's council local council or was it Ford like out of the glass tower in Detroit's council? No, this council is from the Houston area, I okay. believe, but All in right. Texas for sure. All right. All right, so everything Langston argues was hunky-dory in mm-hmm. June, and then in July there's this surprise visit. So Sam Cummings, uh, this is in Cummings's court, right? Mm-hmm. No, this was in bankruptcy court, so this was Judge oh, Robert okay. Jones today. Okay, so it's Robert Jones's court. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's an important detail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so first off, I have it pulled up. Okay, this investment came from um, investment accounts with American Century Investment. Okay. So that's where and, that roughly yes. half a million dollars comes from. Yes, roughly. And okay. they've been put into accounts at Prosperity Bank specifically to do this. Um, and it's as far as we know, that's what will be done. Wait, what, what is it? Prosperity Bank is uh, mm-hmm. located in Lubbock. It is the accounts are currently directed towards there or have been there? They were created specifically as debtor in possession accounts for this these funds to be able to pay things as they need it, mainly employees, utilities, stuff like that. Oh, so this was backstop that Rager Dykes Auto Group had already. Is the accounts or the money? Uh, the accounts and the money. To the way I understand it, the accounts were created yesterday. But the money has been in American Century Investment for, that's where they got it from. So divested from American Century and put into accounts at Prosperity Bank? Yes, how I'm understanding it. Okay, all right. Um, So, like I said, I think that, I mean, people don't, under. this is not something... Sarah, and I hate to break Mm -hmm. this to you because I'm sure you're on salary, but this is not something that we're going to be talking about for the next month. I think that we're going to be talking about this well into this time next year. Uh, Absolutely. No, I mean, we're seeing this initial stuff roll and happen very quick, but I mean, who knows how long this is going to go on Yeah, with whatever other, like, okay, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Yeah. Let me just, Okay. Let me draw in focus and ask you, well, let's talk, the name that people need to begin to understand is the name of David Langston, a former Lubbock mayor with mm-hmm. Mullen Horton Brown, and he specializes in bankruptcy, has a great reputation nationally, and that's obviously who Rager Auto Group and these different entities went to whenever they mm-hmm. needed representation. You sat there and you watched that hearing. How long did the hearing go? Um, About an hour, a little less. Okay. Um, it was pretty quick. So what was your impression of Langston in that, uh, in that hearing? Did you think well, they've got their work cut out for him, Ford, uh, with uh, going up against this guy? You know, I mean, given this, you know, 
update, I guess, that we got that, you know, this do not it happened and it was okay and now this is just all transpiring super quick after a surprise audit. I mean, it seems like they have their ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, both councils really stressed that they are doing what they can to work together on this. Um, other details we learned today that relevant for this conversation uh, is that they tried to um, settle this in a non-legal way. They went back and forth on agreement before that lawsuit was filed earlier this week, mm-hmm. uh, but could not make anything work, and that's when Ford took the legal action it, that got the ball rolling. Okay, so tell me this, because I've yep. talked, I know that you've got contacts, I've talked with people inside Ford and, mm-hmm. and around in the automotive financing industry. Mm-hmm. Is it your impression that, I know a lot of attention, it's a 425-page lawsuit, and I think that what drew a lot of attention was like in page 397 to 399, where one, a regional manager, I can't remember exactly Mm -hmm. his title, I'll have to pull it up in front of me, but uh, Bart Rager threatened to, he, his account is that Bart Rager uh, threatened to shoot him, and I've been told by people in the know that that's when Ford pulled the trigger and said the lawsuit's going forward. We can account for $41 million that we've not been paid, and we've looked mm-hmm. up these titles and these registrations, mm-hmm. but it's just $41 million at this point. It could become more. Right. Um, is that the sense that you're getting, that it could become more than $41 million, but Ford decided to pull the trigger because of that instance that apparently, according to testimony, occurred on Tuesday? It's hard to say. Um, I've heard that as well. Whether or not that's true or not, I do not know. I cannot confirm if that's how Mm -hmm. uh, this transpired. But I do know that they worked to try to get this agreement handled without taking legal action, and it didn't happen. So here's where we are. Um, I don't know about finding more money that's owed to Ford. Um, We were told today that there is um, some concerns from other brands as well. Um, I know for sure there was a representative from General Motors that phoned in. Um, That what? That flew in or phoned in? Phoned in. Oh, okay. What does that mean, mean, though? Like, you're in court and they're like... there's this guy on speakerphone, and he's from... There were actually, there were quite a few different uh, representatives, someone from the U.S. trustee's office, things like that, that phoned in um, hmm. to the case. Did they announce that? Just help me. Yeah, no, that was posted online, okay. um, that that was going to happen. Um, it was pretty easy to find in the bankruptcy documents if you wanted to phone in for this. Um, and it was all, you know, legal counsel for interested parties yeah Uh, but yeah i thought that was interesting so with langston representing uh regular auto group and in those different entities listed in the lawsuit sarah Mm -hmm. let's kind of pay the way forward going into next week where you're going to be working some 85 hours a day no Um, joke (laughs) tell me this is what i've heard is that this is just Ford mm-hmm. and Mitsubishi, Mazda, GMAC, all these other groups are coming. And I already mm-hmm. know, well, I shouldn't say I know. I've got on good account that on Monday morning, an awful lot of lawsuits are going to drop on Rager Dykes. Um, 
was that pretty clear with people who you've spoken to that are involved in the case that this is just forward, but wait until all these other cards drop? I think it was kind. Of, that was kind of hinted today. Um, that again, you know, other brands are um, raising questions as well. I don't know necessarily what actions they're um, looking into taking, but yeah, I mean, I think this is just the beginning. Okay, so. Uh, just give us, as you walk away, you just put your piece up on Lubbock Online. Again, we got yes, Sarah Self Warbrick with us here of the AJ at uh, Sarah from the AJ. As Sarah from the AJ. That's from it. AJ, My last yeah. name's so complicated. I tried to make it easy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, with us here as we close out. Um, I'm going to ask you a general question. Take a deep okay. breath. Okay. What are th- this dropped on, I think this all dropped on our heads just after lunch on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. What are three things? What are the th- you teach journalism at Texas Tech? I do. What are the three things that you're looking at as this case goes forward? This I shouldn't call it a case. The situation as a whole and the right. various cases that could become involved. What are your three big questions right now? I think the big things that we will be following up on in the coming weeks is just the overall impact that this could have. Obviously, you know, Rager Dykes has become known for their charitable donations. Uh, They have been good corporate citizens. Uh, So looking at those implications... um, Wait, whenever you say that, you mean what have they pledged and what have they paid up on and what kind of movement have various organizations made, assuming that that money was coming in? Have you heard from organizations that have not been paid what was pledged and are in a little bit of dis... You don't have to name them. Yeah, uh, there will actually, there will be, we're working on a story right now that'll be in tomorrow's paper specifically um, about an organization that was pledged a certain amount of money and that's unsure right now if they're going to get it. So if it's in tomorrow's paper, can you Mm -hmm. tell us what organization that is? Uh, Well, this was was work from um, our entertainment editor, Bill Kern, uh, but... Rager Dykes had pledged a million dollars for the ballet mm-hmm. Lubbock section yeah. of Buddy Holly Hall, um, and that was a pledge. They have not received that money yet. Yeah. So um, that's the only one that we know for sure right now. Okay. So just doing the math with what's gone down previously in this, mm-hmm. and I'm going to let you go in a minute. I know you got yeah, lots of good. things to get to, but we know that they free they needed 350000 to make payroll. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were freed up 450. So that's a $100,000 difference. Doesn't look like Ballet Lubbock's going to get their their pledge. No. Um, these funds are specifically going to be for paying um, yeah. the bills, basically. So is it um, right? Now, I've got yeah. a text right now. Does that mean, uh, this is Greg, does, does what she's saying mean, let me try to get the dictum right. Um, does it mean that, these employees will be let go at this point because they can't free up any more money? That is still up in the air. So there was talk of, you know, that some dealerships may either be sold off. Um, I think it is certain at this point that they are going to have to cut some of the workforce. Um, court documents say that. But how many people, what that's going to entail, I have not heard yet. Okay. All right, so the big one is charitable what are your other two biggies that you're looking at? I think, um, you know, obvious impact on downtown. Um, and then just following 
this court case through. I mean, this is that's going to be the bulk of this. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing how this affects, you know, this. Well, Riker Dykes overall has 700 employees. That's a mm-hmm. lot of people that this is impacting on is a that direct basis. Between those nine, into is it's nine, right? Nine yes, different correct. entities, 700 people. Um, but you mentioned downtown. Let's talk about mm-hmm. that for just a moment for people who are not in the know. Yeah. What, whenever it could impact downtown, tell us about the scope of uh, Rager Dykes Auto Group's influence downtown and what that could present uh, so far as adversity going forward downtown. Yeah, so downtown is one of the areas, um, if anyone's followed my reporting, I do a lot of reporting on downtown. I think it's one of the most interesting things that's happening in Lubbock. Uh, Bart Rager and Rick Dykes have been huge supporters, um, whether that be um, financially. um, They own several properties downtown that they've put a lot of money in to um, redevelop, refurbish, things like that. Um, They've been described to me as, you know, the champions of downtown. So whether or not that's going to slow down momentum down here, I think is the big question. Um, So, yeah, I think that's... But uh, Fox 34 did a good story yesterday talking with um, Mayor Dan Pope and then John Osborne over with Lita, and they're both optimistic that this won't affect uh, downtown momentum at all. Lubbock Mayor Dan Pope, Lubbock Economic Mm -hmm. Development with John Osborne. Um... I'm trying to close out with you, I promise you. But no, uh, you're good. <laughs> um, so 700 people, nine locations. Mm-hmm. Do you know about how many will get a pink slip now? So a little over 300 employees were impacted by today's um, Received what may be their last paycheck. For some of those employees, probably. So there are two questions. Uh, I've got one, and then Stewart on the text line has one. But uh, there's rumors rampant that that Rick Dykes was writing checks from his own personal accounts yesterday right. to pay people. Can you confirm that? I heard those rumors as well. I have no confirmation on that nothing was mentioned in today's court hearing okay. about that Stuart asking on the text line 806-745-5800 as we roll along uh, asking has Shane Smith the CFO of Rager Dykes Auto Group has he been taken into custody not that I can confirm um, I again those are other rumors that we've heard um, I've checked with FBI um, all the relevant entities, and those are just rumors for now. So he he might well have, and this is something that we can't know, he might have been taken in for interrogation. He might not have been, but he's definitely not been booked. That's correct. He has definitely not been booked. Okay. She is Sarah Self Warbrick. Took you a little bit longer. Hey, Sarah, why don't you come on for 10 minutes? And uh, here we are at 20. I, I apologize. No problem. Uh, Happy to, to do it. Thanks for finally having me on. This is my first time, well, so I appreciate hey, it. Is that, like, is that passive aggressive? No, oh, no, definitely. I'm always, I am always open to talking. Well, okay. We will. We will. Hey, I might as well just put you. Let's talk offline. Uh, I think, given what we got, uh, we need to have a weekly Sarah segment here. Sarah from <laughs> the AJ on Twitter. We appreciate her after a busy day and a busy 
a busy half week for that instance. She's got a lot ahead of her in the days to come. Sarah, thank you so much. Thanks, Jay. Have a good weekend. All right. You as well. And there it is, the very latest uh, with some good – I appreciate those texts. Way to go, guys. Sometimes we have real loser texts, and other times uh, we really get it done. And we're going to get it done with John Cornyn coming up. Senate Majority Whip right here on your other side of Texas showing up on the other side of Texas. Going to answer some pretty difficult questions that I've got lined up and. I know he knows that they're coming. Stick right with us here, streaming live on AM 580, where Buddy Holly became famous in these very studios and other side of Texas.com. And if you're listening to the podcast, I uh, hope you have a good day. Drink a lot of coffee. Going to go to a little money-making ma- timeout. And in with Senator coming up right here on your other side. Now, I need to... Ask for your forgiveness. There have been some things that have really popped up over the last uh, three days. I did this interview with uh, Senate Majority Whip, U.S. Senate Majority Whip, John Cornyn, and I'm glad to bring it to you now. We uh, had a pretty good conversation. I think that you'll find it to be engaging, especially if you understand that cotton is worth about $5 billion dollars annual economic impact within a 100 mile radius of Lubbock as well as the region and what livestock and what you know various farm and ranch means and we got some soybean we got some some people involved in pork the president has laid out a 12 billion dollar program i'll call it a plan to help people who've been stung by tariffs in trade wars we want to go to john cornyn now in this interview u.s senator john cornyn has been in the senate since 2002 senate finance intelligence judiciary and currently serves as second in command there in the u.s senate as majority whip and that's where Texans like to see their officials. Senator Cornyn, thank you for being on. Well, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, I want to get into a couple of things with you here. In the biggest, uh, the forefront of the national discussion, it seems to be, is last week the president announced that he would uh, direct uh, Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue in a three-part $12 billion plan to ease the sting of retaliatory tariffs on U.S. farmers. This in an effort, uh, the Trump administration says, to rebalance America's trade relationships. Most affected there, pork, beef, soybeans, sorghum, and a range of uh, fruits. Uh, Some see that as Trump trying to shore up uh, necessary support heading into the midterms with a rural electorate. What do you make of this $12 billion, Senator Cornyn? Well, what I would prefer is to pass a farm bill which will give uh, our, our agriculture sector some uh, certainty uh, that, that I think is very important. And then on some of these trade disputes, uh, like, uh, like uh, with the NAFTA modernization, I'd like to see the administrations conclude those negotiations and take some of them off the table because I think what this uh, $12 billion is designed to do is to provide a little relief that's being caused in large part by anxiety over where these tariffs and where these trade deals are going to go. Um, But 
the truth is that the, the $12 billion won't make up for the loss if we actually end up in a full-blown trade war. Um, won't make up for the loss that are going to be experienced by our okay. uh, by the agriculture sector. Senator Cornyn, tell me what what is exactly a full-blown trade war? What does that look like? Well, I don't think we've ever quite seen one before. But what I think of when I when I think about that, I think about what us issuing tariffs and then retaliatory tariffs on uh, U.S. goods and products, and specifically where we do know there's been tariffs uh, issues been on aluminum and steel, and then uh, we see retaliatory tariffs not in that sector but in the ag sector on mm-hmm. things like soybeans and the like. So this is not something you can control, and I'm concerned not only will it hurt our farmers and ranchers, but that it will hurt this uh, tremendous economic recovery that we're just beginning to see the part, see, see part of. Uh, Secretary Perdue and the administration have both argued that, and I want to get into the specifics of how that $12 billion will be doled out, but they both argued that this is a short-term solution to allow for a long-term fix. Is fixing NAFTA and the things that you laid out part of the long-term fix, and do you agree that something like this could help if it is just a short-term fix? Well, I think I think it would be better um, to go ahead and settle the NAFTA issue. Um, I'm told that we are within a few weeks of getting that resolved, okay. which, would be, which would be welcome. So the part of the problem is we are spending money um, that we don't have, and so literally this is adding to the national debt, and it's just as a short-term, um, uh, short-term, uh, uh, you know, medicine here. I'd like to see us go ahead and and uh, take the uh, take the full treatment, which would be uh, which would be NAFTA and a farm bill instead. Well, Senator, I will say this, that I'm in the number of people who admire your pragmatism in a very politically frantic climate. And I see you, by what you've laid out thus far, let's fix uh, the big chunks and then tend to the rest. And it seems uh, that you're taking a, a middle stance between the administration and some of your peers, Senator Ben Sass, And I just drove through uh the upper midwest and i know what corn means there but he said that uh, this 12 billion dollars is giving farmers gold crutches quote unquote and uh, then you've got senator ron johnson saying that this is a soviet style economy uh i just and, and then i come home and i talk with far i was on vacation last week when all this went down but i come home and i talk with farmers and i don't mean to be terse uh, or lewd, but they say, quote, we've been taking a screw in for 30 years on trade, and administration mm-hmm. after administration has said that they're going to fix it. Trump ran through the South. He didn't use staple Republican platform so far as tax cuts, and that he took a different road and said trade has been bad for us. And they're, what I'm hearing from them, like the Washington Post, they can pick up a farmer for every 100 who says that, you know, this is out of bounds. But the 99 that I'm hearing from saying that's what he got elected to do in rural parts of this country is to fix trade. So where do you stand as opposed to Sass and Johnson on all that? Well, I, I, I think we need to fix the trade imbalances. That's the, that's the basic problem. As you said, that's what President Trump ran on. And I'll 
I'm willing to give him the flexibility to actually get that done. Uh, but there comes a time when, uh, you know, talking is, uh, is not productive and we really need to be negotiating them and coming up with improved trade deals. I have confidence in the president and his team that they will be able to improve some of these trade imbalances. But that's the basic problem. And just uh, trying to spend uh, $12 billion of money that we don't have as a short-term palliative without solving the underlying problems to me uh, just doesn't sound wise. And so I would take a little bit different position, although I, from what I hear you saying, uh, Senator Sass and Senator Johnson are saying, they, don't, they think that the, that the $12 billion won't solve the problem. I'll agree with them. Um, and I would say that instead of trying to uh, temper the impact of these trade disputes, let's go ahead and get some of them off the table. Let's pass a farm bill. And I think uh, that will provide a lot of uh, comfort uh, to an anxious uh, agriculture sector. Okay, so Senator Corn, I'm reading from the Office of the United States Trade Representative a report from 2016. We're talking in the billions on what uh, Trump has proposed uh, through Purdue, and this is the opening paragraph. U.S. goods and services trade with China totaled an estimated $648.5 billion in 2016. Exports were $169.8 billion. Imports were $478 billion. The U.S. goods and services trade deficit with China was $358 billion in mm-hmm. 2016. We had earlier this week Will Hurd, U.S. Representative Will Hurd on the program. He preferred that the president focus on China, first of all. Is that within your purview along with uh, NAFTA and the other trade agreements? Yeah, I think that's the one area that uh, where there census that China is the biggest offender here. Certainly they don't open their markets to, uh, to foreign investment and reciprocal trade there. They are, it's really kind of a one-way street. Of course, they're a communist country and essentially a police state. And um, so I, I, But I do think that is where you find the most common ground is uh, with China and, uh, because they are, they are uh, certainly not treating us the way we allow them to be treated when it comes to making investments here in the United States and uh, trading uh, on American goods and services. So I would just want to close out on this $12 billion discussion and say what I'm hearing a lot of folks, some of your cohorts there in the U.S. Senate say is, no, don't put the $12 billion up. Well, if you don't put the $12 billion up, what happens to U.S. agriculture producers? Well, that's where I say we, we, we need to settle the farm bill, which I think will provide some certainty. And uh, we need to wrap up the NAFTA negotiations that have been going on a year and a half now and uh, that I'm told will be settled here in the coming weeks. Um, I think those will provide the measure of stability that, uh, that the farmers and ranchers will, be, will need, which will make them breathe a sigh of relief. And we don't need to spend the $12 billion that, uh, that the president has uh, proposed as sort of a temporary palliative. I think if we settle the underlying disputes on NAFTA and the Farm Bill, that that will serve uh, the, the same purpose, but it will actually be better because it will deal with the long term rather than just the short term. Do you, A lot of insiders say that the Farm Bill cannot be done before the midterms. Do you agree oh, with I that think or disagree? It w- no, I disagree with that. 
we just voted to go to a uh, conference uh, with the House on the farm bill, and my expectation is we'll get that wrapped up by the end of the month. What do you think about work requirements on the House side? Is that something the House needs to drop, or do you affirm the House's position there? I like the House's position because I think if people are going to receive a welfare benefit, they ought to be required to work, they ought to be required to train for work or provide community service. So I support uh, Chairman Conaway's uh, position on that in the House position. But how do you, but, how do you, uh, how do you, as the Senate whip, bring the Ag Chairman on the Senate side around to that? Well, everything here is a, uh, you know, it's the, called the art of the possible, <laughs> and I, I'm not sure what will happen in the in the conference. But I like that. Uh, you, you asked me. You asked me my my preference, and and so uh-huh. my preference would be for the House approach, although it may not be possible for us to attain that. And uh, in order to get a bill, I think the most important thing is to get a farm bill done. Yeah. Hey, I noticed that. Uh, I don't mean to date you or insult you, but uh, you've been married as long as I've been alive. Congratulations there to you and uh, Sam. Well, I, I'm it's married to an amazing woman who's put up with a lot, um, <laughs> but uh, I'm a, I'm a lucky man. Hey, uh, so I want to ask you quickly. We have we have a lot of artists on the program. We have a lot of Texas musicians who are on our bumper and outro music here on the program. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Music Modernization Act and where you think it stands at this point and why it's being opposed. Well, I think I think actually it uh, it came out of the Judiciary Committee, and and my my sense is that there's some small issues that need to be resolved. But uh, I certainly support the. Uh, the effort to try to compensate our songwriters and our performers. Um, you know, the music business has gotten a lot more, um, well, it's changed a lot with technology in particular. It's not just music being played on radio stations mm-hmm. and uh, and the performers making money off of that exposure as well as live performances. Senator, now, a you, lot can't, of music- you can't just go to Napster like I did in college and just get whatever you want. <laughs> no, no, they they put they they shut that down, yeah. and now uh, now we got to pay for it, which is was is the right way to do it. Uh-huh. But but the money doesn't necessarily flow to the people who create the music and uh, perform it, and that's what this bill is designed to do. Oh, okay. I certainly support that. Mm-hmm. So, what is the opposition then? That look, these artists have uh, produced this music, and, and you don't want them to receive compensation for it. And was it the Blackstone Group and CSAC, whatever that is? Tell us a little bit. Yeah, about the, that. well, these it, these really, uh, I would the way I would classify it. I don't think these are major obstacles to us getting the bill passed and done. Uh, these are just some areas where the t- negotiations have continued. But my my goal is to get this done uh, as soon as we reasonably can. But unfortunately, this is just indicative of how legislation goes here in, in Congress. It takes longer than anybody would like. And uh, but we're just uh, going to have to work through some of these details. Yeah. It's 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 really no obstacle, I believe, to success here. But it's going to it's taken a little bit longer than we like. The practice of the possible is that what you called it? The art of the possible. The art of it's, the possible. It's, like it's, uh, it's not quite like the art of the deal, like the president says, okay. but it's the, we call it the art of the possible. So speaking of possibilities, this is where we'll close out. Pete Flores shocked a lot of people in Senate District 19 in Texas. 
a uh, predominantly Latino region uh, in stretches from E, what, West San Antonio, all across far west Texas. He ran as a Republican and wound up being the front runner uh, after the special election, goes into uh, another, uh, goes in the runoff against Pete Gallego. Uh, mm-hmm. The Democrat uh, shocked a lot of people And Flores was on the program earlier this week. And we talked about how the miss. No- well, uh, I'll just say there's a, an assumption. It may be a bad assumption that Latino in Texas shifting demographics equals more Democrats. Uh, speak to that yourself, Senator John. I know that you threw some weight in there and threw your support in there. What does it say that the ground shifted like it did, or quaked like it did with Pete Flores? Well, I grew up in San Antonio, which is a predominantly Hispanic town, and I know that uh, Hispanics are culturally conservative. They're family-oriented, they're people of faith, they work very hard. They should be uh, Republicans, in my view, but unfortunately the Republican Party hasn't always been welcoming as welcoming as I b- would like for it to be. And we haven't had role models of Hispanic Republicans that could be um, uh, an example for other Hispanics who are looking for people to vote for, uh, for their elected leaders. So when I saw Pete Flores um, running, I thought this is a perfect opportunity in a, t- in a challenging district for us to get behind a good man who's already served in his career in the uh, uh, as a game warden and uh, for many years who now wants to serve in the, in the Texas Senate. And thankfully, with my endorsement, uh, that of uh, Senator Cruz, uh, Dan Patrick, and Governor Abbott, um, I think this got on everybody's radar screen, and lo and behold, he came in number one in the race uh, yesterday. So now he's got to win a runoff against uh, Pete Gallego, who is a nice guy, but he's a he's really out of step with, I think, the... Uh, um, the community uh, that uh, uh, that district represents. Look at you throwing some weight around in Old Bear County. Does that uh, <laughs> make you feel like you're still in state politics? Well, I, I'm. You know, that's where I first ran for office as a mm-hmm. district judge back in 1984. That's a long time ago now. But uh, so I, I still consider San Antonio home. So when I got a call from some of my friends saying we got a good man here who happens to be a Hispanic Republican uh, that's running. Uh, yeah, so that is the interview with John Cornyn. Have to talk with audio producers as to why it ended so soonly, uh, so soonly, so soon. I uh, also have to talk with my old teachers at Abernathy Independent School District and apologize for saying soonly. Uh, but that is John Cornyn. And, you know, your thought, I've got plenty lined up here. Try to get into a couple of them on... Uh, yeah, Rager Dykes, also the Cornyn interview. Get into those as we come back into the program. But Cornyn just closes out and says that he put his weight there, and uh, it seems like the weight paid off there with Pete Flores in Texas 19, which is, again, down west of San Antonio, and it stretches across west Texas. You can also go and listen to our interview with pete flores from tuesday they're on our ever growing popular podcast they're on apple Podcasts. gonna go into this last break and then get back in with you plenty of stuff news and notes 
as we close out this week right here on the other side of Texas. Hey, rolling along here on the other side of Texas. I, um, a couple of things. One, to get into the text line, appreciate the updates the two of you have provided on Rager Dykes. Thanks, Chris. And that's to uh, Sarah Self Warbrick and myself as we try to follow this story. And it is a good regional story. And I say good, and I don't mean it in the sense of positive, but it is a meaningful story. You got 300 people out there in lower management and just working day to day whose jobs are on the line, who. I don't want to say this, did not know what was going on, uh, what's been alleged, had no idea, were just showing up for work, doing their 9 to 5, and maybe 8 to 5, and this stuff is news to them, and I think that that's a hard reality for them right now. I'm, so, I've gotten some criticism that I've been on this Rigger Dykes thing, which is a big story. I've had statewides reach out to me because this, I'm telling you right now, this story is going to become a story across the state in the the weeks and months to come. And, and it has, I don't know what the bounds of it are. And I want to be as fair with it as I can be. I don't want to take the middle line and like duck duck my head in the sand on either side or uh, in multiple fronts. I want to be plain with you about the facts like I usually am. You know, I got dogged today by somebody on Facebook who said, you know, I think it's unbecoming. They said unseemly how I was presenting myself on Facebook and Twitter that I was somehow relishing this situation. I'm not. But listen, I'm going to tell you right now that on this program, I have every intention. Just wait. I'll let Buddy say it for me. Wait just a second. He'll get to it. We, we are going to rave on in this program. We're Buddy Holly broadcasting from the studios that Buddy Holly became famous, in which he became famous. I'm not going to duck my head in the sand and avoid a story. I'm always going to try for you as listeners to confront the stories of the day. And what we have, and let me not understate myself here, What we have in play right now could and may well become the biggest scandal in Lubbock, Texas's history. And I am not going to shy away from that. I was not here when Mike Leach went down. I was not behind a microphone. And I saw how that broke down. And I took huge exception to it. Those are two separate cases, but I think... My point there is there were people who just wanted it to go away 
and it was a huge expense in making it go away. Whether that be through alumni support, this, that, or the other. This Rager Dykes thing is not going away. Ford is the first wave, and then there are going to be other waves. And I'm going to be completely fair with you on the issue. And despite whatever sponsors might be on this program and where their interests are, I'm going to be, sponsors will come and go. But I'm going to be completely fair with you on these airwaves about and on the podcast and other platforms about what is going down. If I have to pay for this program out of my pocket, I'll do it. I won't because I get some great vacation money out of this program just based on ratings. But I'm not going to mislead you on these issues. And that to say a couple of things. One, you know, I had somebody messaging me earlier. Well, first, let's get into a couple of of texts. And I want to get into the messages. I'm not going to give up any names. But, um, aforementioned Chris, I appreciate the updates that you two have provided on Rager Dyke's case. Yeah, I'm going to give you everything as it comes and then David chiming in, let's roll. And then uh, why didn't you grill two different texts? Uh, one from Matt and the other from, what does that say, Rodrigo? Uh, you really caved to him on the $12 million. And uh, the other being that you have caved on the $12 12 billion i should say billion not million listen you got the senate majority you go on facebook you aren't going to change people's minds okay and so for me to get into this back and forth with john cornyn i disagree with john cornyn on the issue in principle i agree with the administration and with others that this is a short term now if the administration comes out six months from now nine months from now and puts out another 18 billion 20 billion dollars you know houston we got a problem we aren't going to fix this thing but for now it's a good shortstop uh the way that the usda has it lined up to help farmers and producers who are upside down in these trade wars and here's the thing is that Agriculture is always on the front line of trade wars. And then there are blizzards, and then there are droughts, and then there are too much rain. Which is what broke my dad whenever he started into farming. Which makes me very empathetic to farmers, by the way, that he was he was in over his head and had to fight forces too big to fight alone. U.S. government didn't step in. Nobody stepped in, and so... I saw a side of childhood through bankruptcy of my father, who I absolutely adore now, but I saw that play out firsthand as the eldest child, and I don't want to see other people repeat it. Now, back to the Rager Dykes thing. I will say this. They are sponsors on the program, and I try to go after sponsors that I really like and enjoy. Like, the dream is Allsup's brings you this refried burrito and tossups uh, segment of the program. I want to go after people that I really like and I enjoy. 
and I'll be completely candid with you. David Langston within Lubbock is a pretty polemical figure. People think one way or polemical not by his own devising, but with Mullen Horton Brown, David Langston is thought of, you know, well, he's a Democrat and and then there's the other side and and it just goes back and forth. But make no mistake about it. David Langston, Mullen Horton Brown, who sponsors this program, is a nationally renowned bankruptcy lawyer. And I won't cut corners. I think that he may be the most important person in West Texas. Whatever your, uh, whatever you might think of West Texas, whatever the bounds might be, he is the most important person in West Texas right now. And here's what I do know. That David Langston today, whatever you think about the Rager Auto Group case with Ford and whatever lawsuits are going to come forward, Langston got people paid today who had nothing to do with whatever is being alleged. By and large, they had nothing to do. And I think people like that are worth being sponsors on a program. There will be people who criticize me, criticize Mullen Horton Brown. But the bottom line is, a lot of people, a lot of innocent bystanders got paid today. Ford Motor Credit Zero, David Langston won. And I don't apologize for them being sponsors of the program. Because I know him as a man. I know that group. And I know what... what they're, now, I think that... Here's the other side. Here on the other side of Texas. I've I've said, and I said yesterday on the program, assume the worst, hope for the best. I think that Rager Dykes is in an awful lot of trouble. And this is just forward as I was talking with Sarah Self Warbrick with the Avalanche Journal in the beginning of the program. This is just the beginning of the storm with Ford. There are going to be other major groups. And on Monday morning, mark my words, I'm talking to you. It's 6.01 p.m. on Friday, August the 3rd. On Monday morning, August the 6th, you'll see a litany of lawsuits. And they're going to follow up with that. And as I say, Ford is just the beginning of the storm. But for a lot of middle class West Texans, lower middle class West Texans, and that being whenever I say a lot, between three and six hundred West Texans, David Langston pulled off a great feat today, and I think he, I think as this goes forward, you need to understand that Langston is a leader in in this community and in the region, and has fought for a lot of people are going to get paychecks that, quite frankly, if if Rager Dykes would have taken up other counsel, would not have gotten paid today, and. So that's why I say Langston won Ford Motor Credit, a Ford group as a whole, whatever they're, whatever they're uh, going in on, under, lost today to Dave Langston. And that's why I think a lot of them. So that's where we're going to leave it today. I know many of you were interested in hearing from Brandon Darby today. He texted me and said that he's down on the border. The reception is terrible. And we tried it out. It was terrible, in fact. Uh, The reception would have been a no-good call, but you'll hear from Brandon Darby next week. So, until next week, I want to thank you for listening to the program, 
in being a part of the program, uh, James texting in, hold on, answering a question that is a pick between ideals and country can be hard to do. Okay, that's regarding Cornyn. Chapter 11 allows, this also from James, Chapter 11 allows Dykes to come out good, even better, or not, over time. And James, listen, I just, so, I just, I'm, I'm being fair here. What Ford has laid out in that 425-page lawsuit, if you read it, if they're right, that, in I know that it was called today a surprise audit, but if you read it right, James, if they're moving a vehicular, vehicular, I should say, unit from one property to another and refinancing that unit from one property to another that is a thing called wire fraud and that's an implication that's up for the u.s marshals the u.s attorney's office and the feds so i think it's difficult to say that at this point i think it's coin toss whether or not they're going to come out good or better and like i said guys look this is just the beginning you're going to have depositions that come you're going to have cases that come and we're going to be i'm telling you right now this is not anything that's going away before christmas this is going to be the lead story like the lubbock avalanche journal would do wise to hire two interns maybe five to help sarah self warbrick with this story and this reporting going forward because it's a huge story and i think that from people i've heard on the inside this Rager Dyke story is the lead story out of Detroit from Ford Motor Companies as an entity and it's it's number one on their purview right now and that's the way things are going to sit and the way things are going to lie going forward this story is not going away it's going to be a huge story going forward and uh, I don't think I don't think it's safe to say that anybody's going to come out well, I don't think it's safe to say that Rager Dykes Auto Group and its various entities are going to come out better at all. Yeah, they've been salvaged the last two weeks. We'll see what happens over the next month. So, with that said, a lot more chicken on that bone as we go forward. I know a lot of people across Texas are interested in the Rager Dykes story. Um, as well as John Cornyn and uh, various various subjects that we take up on the program. But that's where we're going to leave it now. I want to thank you for being a part of the program. You make this program possible. Share it with friends. Go take your friend's phone, subscribe them to our podcast, and we'll just see where things go as we head into the legislature in January. J. West Texas Leeson signing off here gonna get home gotta get home above average family and i will say below average dinner waiting on me right here on the other side of texas thank you god bless you and god bless your family have a great weekend